to be not just mere words from a person. We need you to be working amongst us and in us by your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, would you please, in gracious mercy to us, accompany the reading and the hearing of your word by the powerful working of your Spirit in each of our hearts. Father, let us not uh, come together in vain, but would you please uh, challenge us and convict us of your truth, that we may live for you and glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, my name is White, if you haven't met, but I think I've met everyone here. And you might uh, turn around and see uh, we have a long-time uh, person who hasn't been with us, but is now back. You can turn around and you can see it. there's Dolly over there. You can uh, say hi to her. Um, I recognize her immediately, but I forgot her name. But uh, she, she, she remembered mine, because mine is a lot easier, right? <clears throat> uh, thanks, Chi Kyung, for leading us in uh, Christmas carols. It is, it is that time of the year again. And all around the world, there will be little girls dressed up to look like Mary. In Singapore, it will be girls with long black hair. In other places, it might be uh, blonde and with curls. And, you know, there'll be little boys with homemade sheep costumes. And then there'll be angels that, uh, who look anything but frightening. And there'll be all these skits happening. There'll be a $12 doll bought from Toys R Us to be the baby. All these things will be happening. Uh, they might end with a song, you know, the first Noel, the shepherds and all that. But what happens after that? Right, it's a scene that we are uh, most familiar with. Right, that part which Chi uh, Kyung chose for our responsive reading, we're so familiar with that part of the Christmas story. Now, what happens after that, according to Luke, is a passage that we are going to be focusing our attention on today. And I want to ask three questions of ourselves as we look at this passage. And the first question is, do you see the reminders? Do you see the reminders? Now, we can all agree that reminders are a good thing. Now, I was just at the library this week and my children borrow so many books that in carrying the books, I actually sprained my back and had to go for two now to get it sorted out. And with so many books, evidently, you know, I mean, inevitably you will, you will lose a few, you will not return it all. And I often have to pay fines every time. I go to the library. And so Maria has just signed up for the reminder service. And so reminders are a good thing. And on Facebook, uh, it will remind you of your friends or your children's or even of your own birthday that's coming up. Now, verses 21 to 24, at first glance, seem to be telling us that Mary and Joseph were very... Uh, Lawful. They, they, they kept the law. They were very obedient to the Old Testament law. Let's look at verses 21 to 24. Read it with me. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, 
had been completed. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. But they not only tell us that they kept the law, verses 21 to 24 serve as reminders. Look, for example, at circumcision. Now, think of the biggest promise anyone has ever made. You're a promise that you did not deserve to receive, but a promise that nonetheless was made to you. Think of the biggest promise ever made to you. And those of you who are married might think of the promise that your spouse made to you, that for better or worse, you know, whatever happens, that person will love you and cherish you. That's, that's a big promise. Now multiply that by a billion times and you will get the significance of the promise that God made to Abraham. God plucked Abraham out of obscurity and, and to him promised him offspring, land, uh, a big name, a uh, blessing, and that he, through him, all the nations, all peoples would be blessed. That's a big promise. And, and the sign of circumcision was a reminder of that promise. And a promise that obviously had not yet been fulfilled. Or look at the dedication of the firstborn. You remember God saving Israel out of Egypt. And the way that uh, God saved them was under God's judgment. It was Egypt's firstborn that was slain. Now that was the, the tenth plague. Uh, the firstborn of Egypt were all slain. But Israel's firstborn, they were saved by the, the sacrifice of that lamb. So the dedication of firstborn is a continual reminder. Like so, if I was Israelite and when we had Elliot, you know, after a month of uh, confinement, Maria and I would have to go and present Elliot and dedicate him to the firstborn. And that would be a reminder to us of how God had extended his strong arm and saved us, the people of God, from slavery. But at this time, Israel again was far from being delivered from slavery. They were under the oppression of Rome. So you see, at, at every turn in these verses, there is a reminder, there's a, a sign pointing forward. Now, some people might look at these verses and go, yeah, so complicated. I, I, I prefer the, the Mary and Joseph and, and, and giving birth to Jesus in the stable story. That, that, that's so much more simple. I, 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 why must you complicate it with this circumcision and dedication of firstborn? Well, to answer that, let me relate a story that I heard. There was a flight on which a pastor and another person was sitting together and, and the person turned to the pastor and asked him, uh, you know, hi, you know, a lot of small talk. And then finally he asked, what do you do? And then the pastor, of course, said, oh, uh, I'm a pastor and, you know, I'm, I'm here preparing my sermon for Sunday. To which the other person replied, oh, religion. Ah, that's, that's, that's all too complicated for me. What, what I like is, you know, uh, do good to others as you want them to do to yourself. That, that's, 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 that's all I like about religion. That, the rest is too complicated for me. 
And so the pastor went, oh, okay, okay, I see. What about you? What do you do? And then the man replied, oh, I'm a professor of astronomy. I, I teach in the university. And the pastor replied, oh, astronomy, that's too complicated for me. Twinkle, twinkle, little stars, that's, that's good enough for me. You see, friends, sometimes there is no way of avoiding the complexities. Sometimes we must use our minds to see uh, what are the things that God has put in His Word that we may understand more fully uh, all that He has to tell us. And so, the birth of Jesus is not something that's out of the blue. It's not an isolated event there. There is, is centuries of expectation built upon the promises of God, the, the trajectory that God has set in place right from the beginning. So that's the first question. Do you see the reminders? The second question is, do you have a longing? Do you have a longing? Now I know that's a personal question, but it's also a redundant question. Because, of course, of course you have a longing. Of course we all have something that we are looking forward to, something that we are waiting for, something we are longing for. Now for some people it could be a longing for a new job, a change in a job situation. Uh, For some people it's a longing to get married, uh, waiting for a promotion to happen for some people. Or it could be, a longing or waiting for our kids to start work, or longing and waiting for our kids to get married, or, or even more importantly, longing and waiting for our kids to become sensible, to grow up. Now the thing is, what you long for, the thing that you are waiting for, shows and exposes what is your hope. It shows us what we are placing our hope in. And so, what we see of Simeon and Anna in this passage. Now, you notice that that Luke took great care to record that Simeon was righteous and devout. He took great care to record that, that Anna, even though she was old, she was so, you know, she was praying and she was spending all this time in the temple. I think he, he told us this, but he, he always likes to use pairs, you know, so there's the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist. There's a Mary and then Elizabeth. And now there's the third pair, like Simeon and Anna. And he records how they were, I think as a way of teaching us what it must be like for us to expect, to look forward to the birth of Jesus. And you see from the example where they have placed the ultimate hope. Their, their longing shows us that their hearts were preoccupied with God. What they were waiting for shows us that their hearts were, were preoccupied with the, with the plans, with the promises of God. Look with me to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So you see, Simeon was, was waiting, and he says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, he was waiting for God to make good on his promise, to, for God to rescue and bring comfort.
to his people. That was what he was waiting for. And similarly for Anna, look at verse 36. There was the prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, which at that time probably would have been about 14 years old, and so her husband would have died at about 21. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. She was waiting. Look at her spiritual intensity. Like widow at a young age, but that didn't leave her bitter. She, she kept worshipping and seeking the Lord. Now what's striking about Anna, and most likely of Simeon too, even though we're not told his age, but most likely they were both, Simeon was old, we are told that Anna is old. See, they are already advanced in age. And yet, they are showing this spiritual intensity even at their old age. Now, a little bird came and told me some time ago that there is a general sentiment that our church, you know, in recent times is spending, you know, so much time, so much effort on the people who are new. You see, because, you know, since I've been away, there have been a lot of new people who have come and then, you know, uh, the, the, the leaders, you know, the pastor reacts to it and, and, and spends too much time looking after those who have just come, looking after the newcomers, looking after the, the young. And that the, the more senior saints of our gathering uh, has felt a bit left out. Oh yeah, so much attention given to these people. You know, every time organized events for these people, but, but nothing for us. You know, so a little bird came uh, and told me this. And so this is the reason why I chose to speak on this passage. Because I want to, with the example of Simeon and Anna, focus this part especially on you. So, beloved senior saints. And of course it applies to the rest of us, right? But, beloved senior saints, let's learn from the example of Simeon and Anna. You see, like I said, Luke intentionally points out these qualities, their faithfulness, their, their spiritual intensity, so that we can learn from them. Because we must recognize it is no small thing for them to be like this, even in their old age. Because it has been observed, getting old, getting old like nothing else, shows where we have placed our hopes. Getting old like nothing else removes the pillars that we may be standing on. Because you see, anyone can say, I trust in Christ. Anyone can say, my, my, my hope is in you, Lord. Anyone can say that. But in reality, our security, our identity may be bound up with the, the type of job that I do, our, our security, our identity may be bound up with my physical attractiveness, my 
fitness, my, my looks. But as we get older, you know, we won't be able to do the, the job that we have been doing so well. As we get older, we will not look as good as we did in our 20s. Now, a few years ago, just a few years ago, I could stand in front of you know, my uni students and say, oh, I'm a first year uni student. And they would believe me. They would believe me. I, I tell you the truth. But now, I just tried that again this week. I stood there and I said, hi, my name is Y. I'm a first year uni student. And they laughed. They laughed. I can't, I can't pull it off anymore. I am no longer as good looking as I was when I was 28. And I've got to live with that. And you are not as good looking. You are not as fit. You, your brain is not as active, not as sharp as you were when you were younger. And when, when these things start to go, if our hope is not in the right place, when these things start to go, then hey, we might get angry. We might become bitter. Or the thing that we are hoping for doesn't happen. You might start to get angry at God. So getting old like nothing else shows us what we're really trusting in. But you see, for Simeon and Anna, they had placed all their hope. All that they were longing for and waiting for were bound up with what God had promised. And so, beloved senior saints, press on. Fight the good fight. Lead the way. Right? The rest of us, we're watching you. We're behind you. We will also get old. We want to learn from your example of not, not just coasting into the sunset, but, but fighting on. Remember, there is no verse. There's no verse in the Bible that says, only when you're young, only when you're energetic, full of energy, can you achieve and accomplish significant things for God? There's no verse in the Bible that says that. I think we will be surprised when we are in heaven. And if God should in mercy reveal to us how much of His work was carried on by old ladies in their rocking chair or in their wheelchair, praying for missionaries, praying for brothers and sisters in, in, in persecuted parts of the world, I think we would be surprised. You think it would be me up there? Oh, yes, I achieved so much true. Why? No! I constantly am humbled by the spiritual intensity of, of old ladies that I meet in churches that I have the privilege of visiting. And so I want to, I want to tell you the story of Auntie Elsie. Now, Auntie Elsie is the, the late mother of um, church friends of ours. And, and uh, they live just next door to us in Perth, where we were staying with uh, Maria's parents. So they live next door. We go to the same church, and, and Auntie Elsie is the, is the mother. And Auntie Elsie was a, was a gambling, mahjong-loving lady. But in her later years, she was sought and found and converted. And when I knew her, she was a, a devout and committed Christian. And towards the end of her life, Auntie Elsie began to, to lose her sight. 
and uh, you know she couldn't walk around without uh, you know a wheelchair, and so she was confined to her room. And so at that time I was in my, uh, it was before college had started, so I was very free. So I would uh, regularly visit Auntie Elsie. I would go over you know, just next door, and I would you know chat with Auntie Elsie. I would I would read to her either from a Christian book or from the Bible, and she would always be happy to to see me, and we would talk about spiritual things. She would tell me about the people that she's praying for. And I remember this thing that she said to me. One time she just said to me, Why? You know, every morning when I wake up, one of the first things I do is I pray. God, please help me to do your will today. And I remember thinking, this is a blind old lady who is confined to her rocking chair in this room. And yet, every morning she prays, God, help me to do your will today. So friends, don't coast. Don't just go on autopilot. Endeavor by the grace of God that at 65 you would be uh, more mature in Christ than you were at 60. And all of us, let's, let's grow old pursuing this. Let's press on. Let's fight the good fight. Let, let, let not old age or getting old hinder us from serving and cherishing Christ. So do you see the reminders? Do you have the longing? And the third question is, do you see the fulfillment? Do you see the fulfillment? Now, Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit to the temple. And he was led by the Holy Spirit to the temple because God had promised him, God had made him a special promise that he would see the Lord's Christ before he died. And Christ, as you know, means God's King. Right? So Christ is another word for saying God's King. And so, when the Holy Spirit uh, prompted Simeon, when the Holy Spirit told Simeon, hey, today... The promise will be fulfilled. You're going to see the Lord's Christ. I wonder what he expected to see. Oh, you know, would he see a, a king riding on a horse through the streets and he'll be part of the crowd. Oh, seeing, ah, oh, that's the Lord's Christ. But he would not, I'm sure, have expected to see a baby because that's what he saw. Instead of seeing some king on a mighty horse leading an army, what he saw instead was a baby. And you know what the great tragedy is for so many people? So many people that you know, so many people that you are friends with and related to, the great tragedy for them is that that's all they see. Come Christmas time, that's, and they think about these things, all they see is a baby in a manger. Or maybe for others, they, they at least... Acknowledge that this baby grew up. Yes, he was a good man. Yes, he was a good teacher. Yes, he was a great example of uh, love and humility. But that's all they see. But for Simeon, but for Simeon, when, when he saw the baby, that's not all he saw. Look at verse 28. Where am I? Verse 28. Simeon 
took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It is a great moment. I mean, Simeon comes and, and, and he takes the baby in his arms. Now, I wonder, as an old man, it must have been decades since he last handled a baby. How, how careful he must have been, you know, holding the cloth and, and careful not to let the arm, you know, come out by the side and then, you know, make sure he holds it properly. You know, would he have instinctively, you know, bent and smelled the hair? You know, would there have, would there have been regurgitation on, on, on Jesus' clothes and all that? You know, but he, he holds the baby and he doesn't just see a baby. Because he declares, my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon is declaring that there, in his arms, with regurgitation and and all that, he is holding centuries of expectation now fulfilled. Salvation has come. And Simeon, I think for the first time in Luke's Gospel, declares that this salvation is for all people. Because he says, for the Gentiles and for Israel. And that's talking about everyone already. Salvation is now available for all people. Now, of course, Simeon was not in a position to know exactly, exactly how and in what way the baby would achieve salvation. But friends, we do. We do. We, we, we are so privileged to stand on this side of the cross and can look back and see exactly how God has achieved salvation through that baby. And friends, we must understand the way that God has done it, the way that God has chosen to do it, is it is different from every other religion. Now the people who study this, right? right they say every known religion in the world they have studied, okay, they've looked at now. Of course, there may be some obscure religion in a people group that no one even knows exists. But, okay, but for the people who study this, every known religion that, that can be known, right, they've studied it and it is completely different to Christianity. It is all different. Christianity is unique. It stands alone. And the way to explain the difference is like this. Okay? Every other religion is like giving you advice. It gives you some advice. Of course, the the religions will differ in the type of advice that it gives, but essentially they give you advice. Okay? Here's what you must do if you want to impress God. Here's what you must do if you want to get closer to God. And so, it's a list of advice. And with the advice, you choose the religion that uh, attracts you. You pick the advice and you, you do your best. To follow your advice, so that follow the advice, so that you can get close to God, so that you can impress God, so that you can be right with God. You follow the advice. Every other religion in the world gives advice. Christianity is different. Christianity is news. It's news. It's a declaration of what God has done. It's not advice. You don't have to do anything. God declares what He has done for us. 
and we just have to go to Him with open hands and accept. Christianity differs from every other religion. It is a declaration of what God has done in the coming, the dying and the rising again of His Son. But the reality is, not everyone is going to come to God with open hands, thankfully, humbly receiving that gift. Jesus is not going to be received by everyone. Look at verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus will divide the nation. Those who will trust Him and accept His salvation will rise, be with God. But there will be those who will refuse and they will fall and they will fall eternally. They will face the wrath of God on their own. And then Simeon says, Oh, P.S. Mary, a sword will pierce your soul too. Because Mary will have to witness and see for herself the suffering that her firstborn son will have to go through. Because Jesus will not be received by everyone. He will be opposed. But in opposing Jesus, people will actually be revealing the thoughts of their own hearts. And so friends, let me ask you again. Do you see the fulfillment? Is a baby in a manger all you see? Or are you like Anna, who, who saw the baby as well? And, and what did Anna do after seeing the baby? Look at verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she saw the baby, saw the baby in Simeon's arms. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. In seeing the fulfillment, Anna goes and she tells people. There were, there were a group of people there who, like Anne, uh, Simeon and Anna, were also waiting. Also longing for God's promise to be fulfilled. And, and when Anna saw the baby, she went and she told them, Hey, what we've been waiting for has now been fulfilled. God has made good on His promise. Now let me end with a practical example. Okay, it cannot, it cannot get more practical than this. Okay, so if, if like Anna, if like Simeon, we see more than just a baby, we see that God has kept His promise and that His salvation has come through this child, then you must know that next week on Saturday, on the 22nd, our church is organizing a special event. For people who, at this moment, when they think of Jesus, still think of just a baby in a manger. Oh, how lovely. Oh, such a shame he was born, you know, with those animals. Oh, yes, yes. Since he was born in a manger, with those smelly animals, let's, let's, let's at least offer him a few moments of our time and think about him during this Christmas time. For, for, for those people, 
we've organized a special Christmas event. Would you pray? Would you take the invitation and would you intentionally go prayerfully and invite your friends and your family members? It does not get more practical than this. If if we see that salvation has come through that child, the news, the news, the declaration of what God is, is doing and has now done for us, this news, these people need to hear. So would you take an invitation? Would you prayerfully go? Would you invite the people that God has placed in your circle? And would you invite that they may uh, pray that they may come, invite them and pray. Pray for them. Pray for them by name. Pray for them deliberately. Pray for them that, that maybe at this Christmas that they would for the first time not just see a baby in a manger, but they, that they would see and the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts, open their eyes to see that, that this baby grew up and he lived a perfect life. He, he lived that perfect life that, that we could not live and he lived it for us. And even though he lived that perfect life, God punished him. God's wrath and anger fell on him. He died the death that we deserved. And God, in mercy and, and to vindicate him, has raised him. Has raised him to be the reigning Lord and Savior. Would you pray? Maybe for the first time this Christmas, they may see that salvation has come. May God help us all. Amen.